Hello and welcome to the season 15 premiere of the Supermercado Bros video game music podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. This is the podcast where we share and discuss the very best in video game music. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. You know, usually for the season premiere, we like to take a different kind of approach to these episodes. For Mm -hmm. any of you that have been with us for years, you probably are accustomed to this. And Carl and I have been really excited about this episode topic for a long time. The conceit of today's Today's episode is that we're only going to be listening to music composed for games by the developer themselves, because one of the great things about video games, and it's kind of a tradition that's gone back to some of the, the early days of gaming, is that a lot of times these game developers they have to wear so many different hats Mm -hmm. they have to write the script of the game they have to code it they have to design character models they kind of have to be artistic in all these different fields and a lot of them are excellent composers well we're getting back to that more nowadays it seems like that happened a lot in the old school days but it's happening now with all these indie games that are Mm -hmm. being made by maybe one person or a small team of people right so yeah today's episode should be really fun because it's a little bit historical we're playing a lot of Mm -hmm. old Older music and we're playing a lot of recent stuff and it's cool that that tradition you know we're calling today's episode auteur kind of hearkening to the that uh the auteur theory in film and of artists the idea that like there's this sole creator soul author, you think of yeah. almost like an alfred hitchcock or something i i I don't actually love that that word mm-hmm. in general. I think sometimes it's it's misused and misplaced. Uh, like I do think in games, especially they're a collaborative medium, and movies even more so. Y- y- it takes a lot of people's creativity to make something. But the right. cool thing about games is really in the early days, and like you said, Carl, with a lot of indie developed games, it really can be the case for games that one person can really create something entirely by themselves in a way that one person might not be able to make a movie entirely even if they're writing the script and directing it or acting in it it's like you still need other people yeah i mean there are examples on this playlist where it's literally one person doing everything uh every everything you experience in the game they're responsible for there's other examples where we're kind of stretching the idea of an auteur like maybe it's a person who did the music and helped create the characters but it's at least someone who had some other involvement in in the project so what you guys heard playing in um was from someone that we're going to go back to today one of the first people we thought of uh daisuke pixel amaya he's known as pixel uh, and this is from the game carol blaster he also created and composed for a very beloved game that we're going to revisit later on so that was oxox hotel from carol blaster we're gonna we're gonna now move on to a really interesting example one of the earliest cases in video games um where someone involved in directing the game and designing the game also was tasked with composing some of the music. This is actually the the composer here is Shigeru Miyamoto. Yeah, for the original Donkey Kong on the arcade cabinet, the uh, main piece of music that you hear, the background music, that was composed by Shigeru Miyamoto. Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing about that piece of music is you might say, okay, well, it's so simple, but it's also so iconic. And one thing that I loved about Super Mario Odyssey is the whole New Donk City area is kind of like a love letter to Mario's origins as Jumpman and Donkey Kong. In that song, you know, Jump Up Superstar, it has that kind of B section. Yeah, that's true. That's really cool. I also love the Nintendo Land remix of that. Um, Right. So yeah, it's 
interesting. Shigeru Miyamoto had to write some music for the original Donkey Kong for the arcade. The NES version had uh, additional music by Yukio Kaneoka right. as well. But let's let's play the shortest piece of music we've ever played. This is the stage theme from Donkey Kong. And there you have it, folks. <laughs> the stage theme from Donkey Kong. You are hearing the NES version, um, but this originally was composed for the arcade uh, by Shigeru Miyamoto, and it was kind of the last-minute thing. I think the game was almost wrapped up, and uh, they they needed additional music. And Miyamoto, he was doing so much in the game that he's okay. I'll just I'll just do this. Uh, he probably did it pretty quickly. Um, I think Kaneoka was also involved on the original arcade version as well. There just was far less music on the original. Right. Yeah, the original, I don't think, had that title theme um, that came from the NES version. Yes, that was the, a Kaneoka composition, um, mm-hmm. which is what we think of as the main Donkey Kong right. theme. Right. One thing I'm curious about is when you get the hammer, the... That could have been Miyamoto as well. The interesting thing about that is that sounds so classic. That's so iconic. It sounds like the William Tell Overture yeah. or something. And as a kid, I used to think it was a piece of classical music. Well, there's also the dun, 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 dun. Yeah. Definitely evoking very a iconic, yeah, very mm-hmm. kind of um, classical in a sense, very traditional. Also, the 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 game is like a traditional story. You know, you're rescuing a damsel from something. I mean, I know it's well, like a. What's funny? It's a traditional story, but it was so groundbreaking that a video game could have a story. It was one of the like first examples like that, of yeah. that ever. Very groundbreaking game, clearly. Uh, it's kind of what put Miyamoto and Nintendo on the map in a lot of ways. Let's move on. That was a fun thing to start off on. Uh, this is a much more modern uh, game. I believe this is an indie game. It's called To the Moon. I don't really know much about this. All I know is that uh, the director of the game, the person who was involved with a lot of uh, the creation of this game, uh, his name is Khan Gao. He also composed the soundtrack. So that's pretty, that's pretty interesting. This is a very beautiful theme. Let's take a listen to the main theme from To the Moon. eclectic piece of music uh, instrumentation wise you have a lot of really interesting sounds mixed together very beautiful this is composed by Khan Gao who is a director and composer at Freebird Games and some of the games that uh, he created To the Moon which is what we're playing also A Bird Story and Finding Paradise just a few of them Um, 
man, it, it's crazy to think there's so many examples of this today. This is so beautiful and so well done that this is the same person who's also working on the other elements of the game, too. You know, the thing is, I don't really know what's more impressive. Uh, a, a game developer that created their own music back in the 8-bit era mm -hmm. because they had the difficulty of implementing it. But chances are, if you're like programming, that's not necessarily a barrier of entry. Right. It's kind of par for um, the course. And you don't have to deal with recording and engineering, mixing all that stuff where a Nowadays, there's there's so many more facets to recording music, but it's also so much easier to get a finished product, mm -hmm. and there's so much like free and really useful software out there to to help yeah. um, people that are composers. So it's kind of interesting. They both kind of have their appeals to me, and I like that we started with that classic, you know, Miyamoto example, and now we're doing something more contemporary because mm -hmm. we're kind of getting the two sides of this topic today, which is really it has to do more with the fact that all of this music is wonderful, I think, but it's all created by someone who it's like they do music on the side. And yeah. that's something that I think Carl and I are, are sort of, uh, always been impressed by because we take music so seriously and it's kind of like our vocation. Um, and so when you hear people that can create amazing music and right. it's like they're, that's not even their main thing. It's, and there's, I mean, I don't know, some of the best well, video game music is like that. Well, one thing I will say is there's plenty of examples uh, where that happens and the music is very mediocre. It's not like every person right. <laughs> who tries to do it is great at music. A lot of people aren't great at composing music. So uh, this is the best stuff we can think of and that we can find. And But yes, there are some examples of incredibly talented folks that every every single element of the game that they're working on uh, is just, you know, knocking it out of there's the park. There's a few in particular that I'm sure you are you guys are all thinking we will, of. And... We will move to them very soon. All right, let's move to uh, a great example. I've heard this music so much around our house. Uh, my fiance, Joe, plays this game a lot. This is Stardew Valley. And the entire game uh, was created by Eric Barone. He goes by Concerned Ape. Uh, so literally every everything you experience in Stardew Valley, uh, Eric is responsible for, including the music. Let's take a listen to one of the tracks that I hear most often. A very relaxing, very pretty. This is Pelican Town from Stardew Valley. This is so delightful. You guys are listening to Pelican Town from Stardew Valley, composed by Eric Concerned Ape 
Barone, one of my favorite pieces of music in the soundtrack. I really think it's a strong melody. Uh, I also like the atmosphere and how slowly different instruments are added. Some ethereal textures mixed with some very pleasing, there's like a kind of this Americana folksy vibe (laughs) throughout this track but uh yeah this is delightful well it it strikes a great balance because it doesn't sound super hi-fi none of these are real instruments kind of retro um but yeah but it also like you said it has that atmosphere but it's not something that's just relying on atmosphere it's Mm -hmm. not simply a track using kind of paths and vibey synths that's out of the way it's overtly melodic and the musical elements of it are not atmospheric in the least it's more right. just the way that it's presented and i really like that balance it's it a cool of, mix it reminds me of something that we've talked about before on the podcast you know like the donkey kong country games dave wise or the metroid series of games where you can create atmosphere in the arrangement but the music doesn't necessarily have to be kind of sparse or bland yeah, in order to do that this is one of the strongest melodies i think in the game but overall all of the music is very pleasing very right uh, it's it's very fun to listen to. Uh, there's not a lot of strong melodies that are on this level. Um, but yeah, this it seems like this is one of the themes that plays the most. Uh, at least what I've been hearing whenever I you know checked out the so game. So is this game? Uh, I it's a farming simulator. So it's, it's kind of like, like Animal Harvest, Crossing, like Harvest, or no, Moon. Harvest Moon. Yeah, yeah, it's very similar to Harvest Moon. Uh, but there's a lot of depth in it. Um, It's kind of about interacting with different characters and it has a lot of similarities to other farming simulator games. But yeah, obviously very, very popular. It it came out on tons of different platforms, including the Switch. Um, And yeah, Eric Barone, what a talented gentleman. Let's move on uh, to a really early example of this kind of auteur idea. This is Al Lowe who created Leisure Suit Larry and also composed the music for those games, including this iconic Leisure Suit Larry main theme, which is so fun. And where that's what we're going to play. Now, this original game is called Leisure Suit Larry in the Land of the Lounge Lizards. And we're going to play the main theme. Now, this was released on a lot of early computer systems. I don't know exactly what we're hearing, uh, what system that was. It could have been maybe like an Apple II or, or Atari ST, something along those lines. But let's take a listen to an, an 8-bit version of the main theme of Leisure Suit Larry. <laughs> guys are listening to the iconic Leisure Suit Larry main theme. This is from the first game. Now let's do some detective work and try to figure out what platform we're hearing here. MS-DOS, Amiga, Apple II, uh, Macintosh, Atari ST, Tandy. Uh, I feel like this sounds kind of like Atari ST. This could possibly be that. I guess it could be an Amiga as well. Uh, this was originally released in 1987 in North America. And yeah, Al Lowe was the designer and one of the programmers, uh, as well as the artist and composer. Wow, that is such a good theme. It's like, great. It, I know that the Leisure Suit Larry games are kind of really funny and a little bit irreverent, mm-hmm. and I think this theme is so perfect for that because it They're has Sierra, an old-fashioned... Sierra Adventure games. Yeah, but it has like a tongue-in-cheek 
sense to it, you know, that it's this like old fashioned kind of swanky jazz thing, but it's done so spot on. Yeah. You know, it's not a pale imitation. I mean, that melody is just outstanding and it kind of has that like uh, um, vaudeville kind of ending. You know, what's so interesting is thinking about the way that this music was approached, uh, which is a little bit earlier than when we think of the LucasArts Dream Team days. That's a few years later than this. But the way that they approached their music was so different than this. I think part of it is is the platform that this was on, a lot more primitive sound. Um, but yeah, it is interesting to think about how this sounds. These In a lot of the Sierra games, they just sound so different than the way that the right. LucasArts folks would approach their music. Well, and I think uh, tone is different, where this is more of an overt comedy, but I know a lot of the Sierra adventure games were more serious, serious yeah, than like King's like Quest. The, the LucasArts and everything. Right. But God, I just, I love this theme. I, I don't, I'm sure people have done all kinds of remixes and stuff to it, yeah. but this deserves like a nice big band arrangement, Do you remember, or even like an old ragtime piano version well, or something. Do you remember that Al was actually at MAGFest like yeah, a few years the, back? The first year that we went, yeah. he was a, he was the guest there man i really adore that theme i mean i I can't say enough about it i think it's such an outstanding melody and it's like it's a genre that i'm such a big fan of it would fit right at home in the nintendo universe it really would in like mario land 2 or something like it just has such a great sound well we're gonna move on to oh man this is a heavy hitter for sure this is toby fox and his masterpiece undertale Probably the most beloved game on this whole playlist, if I had to pick just Mm -hmm. one. Uh, Soundtrack and game, honestly, just incredibly beloved. So Toby is is one of those people that we're talking about. Just blows our mind how amazing of a composer he is, but the fact that he... uh, Everything about this game is just so creative and just so unique and well done. So what a talented dude. We're going to play Fallen Down Reprise from Undertale. good you guys listening to fallen down reprise from undertale composed by the one and only toby fox yeah it's it's just absolutely mind-boggling this soundtrack is is so amazing and so quirky and eclectic and so many different sounds and styles there's some chiptune on here there's some kind of 16-bit sounds some more modern stuff um and it 
it absolutely fits the game experience like glove. Well, what's so amazing is he really created something that has just absolutely resonated perfectly with the community he intended it for. Yeah. I mean, he was clearly such a fan of the 8 and 16-bit era and the kind of RPGs that he's sending up. Yeah. Uh, he does such a great job, but he goes beyond that. He's yes. not just making a game that kind of fits alongside classic RPGs and games like Earthbound, but it has this whole other meta level of experience. And the other thing is, it's not just the game. I mean, the music is so good, and he clearly has such a love for a specific era and I mm -hmm. love his choices with the soundtrack that it's kind of like a dream it reminds me of Earthbound in that way that it's very surreal but it was a perfect choice where he'll use you know 16-bit Super Nintendo sounds but then he'll also you know there'll be like a violin like an actual recorded mm -hmm. there's recorded music Guitar, yeah. interspersed with everything and it gives it this surreal dreamlike quality that you can't quite put your finger on and all the music feels like it was like lost like pulled up from some ancient archive well, it's so clear. that's what i love it's not it doesn't feel like it was made by one person even right because it's such a different sounding eclectic soundtrack well it also does not sound like a western composer he's, he's so in love with right. some of the old japanese uh video game soundtracks like particularly that track dating start that just sounds right. so much like the ace attorney series that turnabout sisters theme it's like after we did that episode, I went back and I listened to that dating track from Undertale, and it's like, it's just, it's so japanese -y. It's crazy. Right. Well, and there's so much stuff. There's really rocking, intricate stuff. There's yeah. one, my favorite th themes is actually that one called Snowy. The I love that one. That sounds like Galaxy or something. So we're going to go back to Undertale because we just, we have to. So there's going to be yeah. one more track we'll play from this uh, later today. Feels like it was mandatory to do at least two. Um, let's move on to a really talented uh, dude by the name of Junya Ota, known as Zun, uh, capital Z-U-N. Also, I think uh, the name of his development team, which is just him, is Team Shanghai Alice, which is so funny that he even came up with that name because it's literally just him doing everything on these games. And uh, the Tohu series. Uh, and we're going to play... Um, a track from the game Tohu Kaikidan Mystic Square, which came out for the PC-98. Uh, this is Dimension of Reverie, which is just such a great uh, classic-sounding PC-98 track from Zun. Let's check it out.
guys are listening to Dimension of Reverie from Tohu Kaikidan Mystic Square for the PC-98 by Junya Ota, also known as Zun, and also known as Team Shanghai Alice. Yeah. <laughs> this is so good. It's just classic PC-98 music, so up-tempo and rocking, but also has a beautiful melody, and I really love all the textures um, that he gets. And this entire soundtrack is of this quality, just banger after banger. He's, he's a great composer. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. This feels like a classic to me. Um, and just this style, uh, we've been preparing a lot for the panels that we're doing at MAGFest. At yeah. the time we were listening to this, uh, MAGFest will actually be, be over. over. <laughs> Sad. <laughs> um, but at the time of recording, we're kind of preparing for our panels. And one of the panels that we're doing or that we did um, <laughs> God, that's is weird. on the VGM sound. It's sort of based on that podcast episode we did. Uh, last season. It, yeah, last year. Um, and uh, it's been really fun kind of exploring that idea in detail. And one of the mm-hmm. things that we've been circling back to uh, is, I mean, a lot of the things that we've talked about, but this chord progression in particular, uh, these kind of harmonized riffs, that rocking energy, it's so central to the genre or the idiom of video game music. And there's something about when it's composed by the author of the game, there's there's something that solidifies that effect because they're not coming to it with any kind of pretensions necessarily about like what they want to do with the music. It's just kind of like, well, I need music for my game. This is the kind of thing that you have to do in video games. Right. Right. And so it, it almost becomes more of a, not a parody, but it's kind of like a confirmation of all of the aesthetic choices that other composers have made that kind of have coalesced into the sound of video game music. Right. Well, let's move on to, um, this is a pick that Carlos gave us on our Discord uh, channel. This is Escape Goat 2. And uh, this game was created and composed by Ian Stalker. Now, I looked into Ian, and it looks like he actually started off as a game composer for a Mm. number of years and then started to make his own games as well, which is kind of a nice progression. Let's take a listen to Reunion from Escape Goat 2. listening to Reunion from Escape Goat 2. This is by Ian Stalker. Uh, this game was developed by Magical Time Bean. One word. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I know Ian was involved. I'm not sure how much he did uh, on this game, but um, definitely fits this auteur theory. This is so 80s and retro and kind of winking 
um, at some of those, you know, production cliches, but it's very groovy, very... This is well-produced video game music. Oh, totally. Yeah, I love the kind of 80s synth tropes that are all over the place in this thing. Yep. It's it's really classic. The kind of verby FM sound is yeah. I, I have such fondness in my heart for, but it really is so corny. But there's, there's also something about it that it feels like uh, aware of that and kind yeah. of willfully utilizing that kind of saccharine I don't know connotation that we have with all that music and yep. there's something that feels kind of symbiotic to video games in that way where a lot of you know old 80s 90s music culture is also a part of video game culture yeah for sure you know? yeah no this this is another example of just such a talented person who is is good at so many different things and i think you find that actually a lot in different like creative arenas where if someone's really good at music you know there's a chance they're probably going to be good at working with video production or working with recording or you know other elements um you know it's funny one of the the things one of the gigs that i've been having recently is working with uh, the saint paul chamber orchestra on, the, on their video team and on that entire video team it's like composed of nothing but audio people right and none of us are doing audio jobs there right so it's so interesting to see that it's actually quite common for creative people to, to wear a lot of different hats and to explore different things. And it, it actually, sometimes I, I get a little sick of just working on composition. Like sometimes you need a break and you need something to recharge your battery in a totally different right. style. And so it's nice to, I mean, it would be awesome to, to at one day, I think you and me, if we actually created a game from scratch, I think that would be so much fun. Yeah. We'd have to figure out, uh, how to program it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'll, I'll leave that up to you, man. I'm, I'll stick <laughs> I to do the have, music. I do have some history in programming games. So. Uh, yeah, for TI-83 Calculator. Yeah. It, it, I don't know if that would translate. Could you sell yeah. that on Steam? No, I, I also dabbled in some PC stuff. There was a time when I was really interested in that, um, and then all of a sudden I got the music bug. Uh, all right, we're going to move on to something we're very excited for. This is Cave Story. This is another game created by and composed for by Daisuke Pixel Amaya. And this happens to be this week's Track of the Week. Pretty easy choice. This is the title theme of Cave Story. One of the best pieces of video game music in the last 20 years, I'd say. Mm -hmm. uh, it's an absolute classic. It just blows my mind that uh, this person did everything in this game. Uh, this is such an amazing theme. I would love to cover this in the band one yeah, day. It would be for sure. super fun. It Let's, has almost like a, a want you gone from Portal. Yeah. It could almost like take the place of that. Yeah. We've done that Let's take a listen to the title theme from Cave Story.
You guys listening to title theme of Cave Story, composed by Pixel. This game came out for the PC in 2004. Uh, apparently it took him five years to develop this, and he just did it all in his free time. Um, and so yeah, this is, this is another example of a very beloved popular game that really resonated with players, and the music is, is a big part of that. I can't believe how good this is. It, you know, if Pixel was just a composer, I would respect him so much, but the fact that he also is able to, you know, create a game and do all those other really difficult tasks is just mind-blowing to me. Yeah, it has everything that I love in a great video game theme, and it reminds me of that Leisure Suit Larry in that it's like, it's not easy to write a really killer melody. Right. And you mentioned that it would seem to stand to reason that, you know, if you're someone who's not a composer first, that you would try to go for the easiest type of music possible. Um, and I think it's yeah. so interesting that oftentimes these composers, that's not what they do. They yeah. like g- do the more challenging thing, which is to write a really catchy, hooky theme. I mean, he could make a lot of money doing this in other facets because it's there aren't a lot of people who can write themes like this, you know, that can kind of really, I mean, this is a killer, killer melody. I mean, I think this is one of the best themes written in video games in my lifetime, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it, it's so good. And it's a very humble, simple presentation. And But, you know, that's also what it's going for. It has this retro aesthetic to it. But it's such a profoundly badass and cool well, piece of music. It's also not, it's not textbook. It's very unique and very yeah. bold. And, like, the chords and, and some of the uh, you know the changes are just really surprising so it, it's not it's also not something that's like oh he really lucked out because he went for something really simple and it happened to land like this is right right just acrobatic well it, it's, you can almost tell that it's made by the designer because it has this emotionality to it like it's really describing the world of a game it's clearly yeah. a main theme even if i didn't know what this was from or anything about it i would never assume that this was like a stage that this was a level because the the con contrast in sections is so strong right you know you have that intro section that which yeah. feels like it's laying a tableau almost you know and then you have that really catchy kind of fun and devious a melody but then you have that b melody with the descending baseline progression that's almost like nostalgic and emotional and you can really tell that he seemed to put his own emotions and his own emotional feelings towards the project into yeah. this piece of music and it's just it's such a perfect encapsulation of that and so this is my favorite example like as soon as we thought of this episode oh, topic, it's, this it's, was the first thing on our minds. For it's sure. the best example. And I know a lot of people consider it to be the quintessential indie game. You know, this one man development team, this, this game that saw so much praise and so much love. It's just crazy that it came from one person's brain. It, it's absolutely insane. Um, it's like undertale yeah. in that, in that way. Absolutely. All right. Let's move on to something that uh, we discovered the other day. This is Doki Doki literature club. <laughs> I don't think we know anything about this game. Um, and everything about it sounds like it would be a Japanese game, but it's actually uh, created by and composed by Dan Salvato. Um, and I think the, the the developer is Team Salvato. So I don't know if right. it's a one-man team. I mean, team. I think he really likes manga and anime. It seems like it. Let's take a listen to a very cute piece of music. The title theme to Doki Doki Literature Club. Enjoy.
Now that's cute. You guys are listening to the title theme from Doki Doki Literature Club. This is composed by Dan Salvato, who also who also created this game. At least he worked on the game. Um, I'm not sure if this was a one-man team or if he also had other Salvato members. Um, yeah, this is... It is very reminiscent of a lot of uh, very cutesy, you right. know, sugary uh, J-pop VGM. <laughs> well, it's like that crossed with like 1950s, uh, you know, Disney animated right. movie music. Like there's yep. something cute. Like it sounds like Snow White, almost like da 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 da. It's child friendly. Know? Yeah. Yeah. There's not a whole lot that I really had to say about this. I just thought it was a really interesting example because if you play the music, yeah, it, it's it comes from an unlikely source. <laughs> right. Yeah. And uh, such a I don't know. I I really love. We got that question a couple weeks ago about what does it mean to be earnest yeah and i would say this is absolutely an example of something that is earnest yeah. because this is not first of all it's not cool you know i mean i just picture this american guy making a game called mm-hmm. doki doki literature club you're already like most of most people in your life are not going to understand what you're doing right and then the music is this kind of sugary sweet unabashed to yeah. me that is absolutely earnest it's like that I think that it takes a lot of confidence to just be like, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make a song with a high little cute flute melody and pizzicato strings. Yeah. That go, doo, doo, this doo, is a great doo, 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 example of Ernest. You know? It's so confident and like almost ballsy. Like uh, he, he's really committing <laughs> so, to this. Well, it's kind of so manly to be so girly in well, a way. <laughs> just to be proud of it. It's so clear he has so much love for, for this style of game, game right. music. And just no concern about it. This is the thing that what you and I so love about a lot of Japanese video game composers is that it seems like they're not they're not like ego driven in the way that so many Western musicians seem to be so concerned with being on the cutting edge right. or doing something hip or original and all this stuff and it's just like there's almost too much focus you can on just, that honestly i it's so refreshing to have someone who's just selflessly working as a craftsperson mm-hmm. to create just something really enjoyable something happy. and wonderful it's like it, it's such a good feeling to the soul to create something like that yeah. and to to be the benefactor of that kind of energy i just i so love and so yeah that's there's it's more than just the um stylistic choices why this feels japanese to me yeah. it's the overall tone and the sincerity of it yeah and the sincerity is such a great point and, and it really is impressive because you can hear the passion that he has uh for this tradition whether it's music or or this kind of game uh, i'm not sure if this is a it seems like it's either some sort of it reminds me of a lot of like, it's like Japanese, an interactive novel yeah I think. or like visual novels or even like some of those dating simulator games yeah, that yeah. have this kind of vibe i mean I, yeah it's also like i can't imagine what would be more embarrassing to work on uh, other than doki doki literature club if it would have to be like some sort of like Doki Doki unicorn makeover team or something. I, I I think you probably couldn't get, but he's probably not embarrassed. I mean, good for him. I think it's awesome passionate that he's about, doing this. About it, yeah. It's and know. it comes across uh, in the music. Better that than to be like insecurely. I don't know, working towards things that you think people want you to be doing, you know, do yeah. what you love. And also, you know, it's so, it's such a wonderful time to make games like this because there's a community out there that's just as passionate about this stuff as you are. Dude, I've been thinking about that. It's kind of so strange that with the internet, you have the ability to reach people around the world at smaller levels. Like in the yeah. past, the only way you ever reach worldwide uh, fame or acclaim was if you were the biggest the top person. But now it's like you and I, we have people around the world that mm-hmm. listen to our podcast, but we're not famous, but it's like now you can have the the number of people that only ever would have been 
tuning into like a public access show. Right. But now all those people are dispersed around the world. It's a great thing because it means that people can really dig into what it is that they love. Yeah. And there'll be an audience for it. I it's mean, incredible. I think there's probably pros and cons to that. We see like the dark sides of the internet, but there's kind of a beauty in that, that there's like this encouragement of letting people be themselves yeah, and, and, and pursue it, what they love. I do think I everything think is, is just great. more scattered and broken up and it might be harder to get to that really big level than it used to be right. um, because everything's so fragmented. But um, yeah, I just got really depressed because Will told me that I'm not famous, which was, man, that was a blow. <laughs> that was, I was not expecting that. I was blindsided by that fact. Uh, let's move on to a game that Will and myself, and I'm sure all of you, spend far too much time playing on our phones. This is Tiny Wings. This is another one-man team. Uh, he also composed the music as well. It's Andreas Illiger. Let's take a listen to the Tiny Wings theme, which is very nostalgic. We're a big fan of it. are listening to the Tiny Wings theme. This is composed by Andreas Illiger, who also created the game. And he did a great job with, with this music. Uh, I don't know about you, Will. We may have talked about this, but this reminds me of Monkey Island so much. Mm-hmm. There's so many melodic and chord moments uh, of this track where it's like yeah. Michael Land or well, something. It has the chord progression of that guy brush in a lane. Yeah, that's probably what it is. I love this kind of chord progression, though. It's very guitar-esque harmony. This, this is a great... wandering, moving through different chords. Yeah, you know what this is a wonderful example of is the Dave Wise School of Melodic Ambiance, where you build this bed of textures and repeating notes and something that feels very atmospheric, but there's really pleasing melodies that you could hum along to as well. Yeah, I I think as much as I love this Tiny Wings theme, and I think it's a great example of what mobile game music can be, I don't think it's at the it's Dave Wise level of melody. No, it's not on melody, the level of Dave Wise. But I do like the progression and I like the layering of different elements. I think it's a really cool and beautiful piece of music. This part here with the piano always sounds perfect for like a, I don't know, television commercial. Uh-huh. You know? <laughs> like, right. can't you just picture it in the background while like a soothing voice is, you know, talking about like, we have a sale on couches today or something. <laughs> It's a great track. I think we're we have some nostalgic goggles for it. Uh, I think if we didn't uh, wow. spend so much time playing the game, nostalgic for an iPhone game. That's that's crazy. We're talking about iPhone three here. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> people. I saw this game when I was a freshman in high school. Wow, for that the is first nostalgic. Time. My friend Justin had it, and we were in uh, history class. 
All right, we're going to play another track from Undertale. And this is probably the most popular and beloved piece of video game music in the past, I don't know how many years. It, it, it's really insane. This is Megalovania from Undertale. And if you go online and search uh, video game or VGM covers, this will be at the top of the list. And there are so many different covers of this. This has become such an iconic piece of music. It's almost like a meme. It's like an internet calling card. There's something Mm -hmm. about megalovania that everyone's kind of embracing. And I think Toby Fox, to his credit, is responsible for that because he almost made the game with the intent of the audience in mind that it was a game made by a video game nerd for video game nerds. And that kind of insular meta self-reference thing is huge on the internet and in game music culture. And so it's like, it's just kind of fertile ground for remixers and musicians and amateurs to really want to do stuff with. I had a student, um, when I was teaching who, uh, loved undertale so much and he actually wrote lyrics to this song like i'm he sure wrote, he's he not wrote alone it into a song <laughs> I'm sure but a yeah lot i mean of people, people love undertale and I, you can kind of understand why because it's a fully comprehensive world and it sort of rewards you for um falling deeper in love with it I well think. let's play this track and then let's maybe discuss what about this particular piece of music uh has resonated so much with people this is megalovania This is Megalovania, composed by Toby Fox from Undertale. I'd like to discuss for a little bit, what is it about this particular piece of music, the harmony, the riff, uh, the groove, what is it about this that is specifically so resonating to so many people? It's by far the most popular Undertale Undertale track, and it's interesting because it makes me scratch my head. It's a great track, but it's not one of my favorite Undertale tracks. Well, I think what you and I love so much about Undertale is the slower side, the crafted yeah. melodies, the beautiful harmony, the kind of reverence of the old Japanese style. But there's no doubt this is the hit. This is, you know, the, the lead single of Yeah, of and this I think game. that the reason why you and I struggle with that is there are so many iconic melodies in Undertale that should be the lead hit. I mean, that like, he's really doing so... Like, that main theme, it's such a stellar melody, and it's so elemental. It's kind of like... 
that should be etched in stone. And this, this is, is a great This track. is a rock riff. This yeah. is about the high energy groove and that repeating riff over the chromatically descending progression. It feels great. And it does remind me of a lot of old school game music, something like Sonic. Well, uh, it even reminds me vibes. a little bit of like Doom or something, mm-hmm. you know, like it has a really shredding and chromatic appeal. Uh, I, I also do think when something rocks, it, it's kind of like you were making that point about rhythms. There's something yeah. physical that happens. That's true. And I think to a lot of people that aren't necessarily like trained in music and aren't listening out and giving bonus points for something that has a great melody, if you couple a track that really rocks in a game that's been so rewarding, like Undertale mm-hmm. is a, it's a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. And I think it's hard to separate people's emotional attachment to the experience and what's happening in the game from the music. Right. And I really think it has sort of become a meme. But when you think about anything that blows up in pop culture, like why did that Gangnam style, was that because that had the best melody or like it was the most fashionable? It, 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 you can't always explain why something hits. Yeah. But it, when it reaches a certain level of popularity, it's like an exponential curve where right. then people are referencing it because it's a big thing rather than yeah i mean i do think there's something in that riff that people just couldn't you just can't really deny it it's such a simple fun energetic riff and then when the drum beat comes in it does make you move yeah i think the only thing is it feels a little derivative to me like it's kind of like the most obvious choice Mm -hmm. you know if i was going to do a parody of like a boss theme i would just like if yeah i feel like i've heard that millions of times and it's great and it's effective but it's not interesting that it's like i feel like you could find other examples in video games but to be fair I think when Star Wars came out and Mm -hmm. people were loving the music to Star Wars, I think some of the old guard of composers that were around in the 30s and 40s were saying, what, I could find other music that's as good as that. And you really can't. But it just feels like something that you've heard again and again. Like, oh, that's so obvious, isn't it? We might just be going through that kind of uh, phenomenon. Well, you know, this is interesting. This feels like deja vu. We just focused on this music and in the series, but we have to play one piece of music from the Guilty Gear series. Right. Uh, Because Daisuke Ishiwatare is another great example of uh, this auteur idea where this is one person. Now, this isn't a one-man team, so he's not responsible for everything in the game, but I know that he created the characters and he designed a lot of the game and wrote a lot of it and composed the music. So definitely he fits uh, our topic today. Let's play something from our favorite soundtrack in the series, Guilty Gear X2. Also, I think it's uh, titled sometimes Guilty Gear XX. Uh, This is Writhe in Pain, composed by Daisuke Ishiwatari.
you guys listening to Writhe in Pain. Guilty Gear X2, one of my favorite melodies of the series. This was probably my second favorite track of the whole series. I remember when we did that episode. I think Holy Orders is still unbeatable. Yeah. That's just phenomenal. But yeah, this is This amazing. melody is really strong. I love all the harpsichord stuff. I just, I yeah. love the mood of this. It, it makes me think of, you know, it's doing metal, I guess, but it's so like japanese melodic video game music it has that almost castlevania sound to it but the mixture of harpsichord it just makes me think of like the 1970s yeah like these weird sort of like underground rock bands Mm -hmm. that are (laughs) you know there's just like something about that it gives it has that vibe to it which is so cool because video game music is already so eclectic and about this blending of genres so if you can kind of reference something a pre-existing form of music that already has that eclecticism yeah. within it you're you're kind of drawing on something with a little bit more history i think mm-hmm. it's why like I, this is completely different but i think it's why cuphead is so appealing to people yeah because it's a new game um and games are a relatively new medium you know not even half a century old and but it's like if you're able to evoke something older than that, if you're able to evoke something that feels like a black and white cartoon and, you know, you can see the film grain and it's evoking another era, there's something really appealing to that. And mm-hmm. what's cool about this is it seems like it's evoking a kind of music that almost predates video games themselves. Oh, for sure. Or it's kind of like around during the spawn of the earliest games. And so there, there, there's something about that that I think is really appealing. It's this almost like a imaginary world where uh you can kind of play with time you know and i think that's why people fell in love with cuphead because it's like i'm playing a video game it's timeless it's distinctly modern way. medium but i'm like transported back to the 1920s yeah and, and the guilty gear series does the same thing because having yeah. that old baroque mixture with rock and the authenticity of that is very heavy and very timeless and adds a lot of weight uh, to the experience. Uh, we want to thank our Discord community for giving us some great picks, helping us to flesh out uh, this playlist. And this is another great pick that we got uh, from our Discord community. Uh, this is from La Mulana, and we're going to play the track called Grand History. And this game uh, was created by Takumi Narumura, and he also composed some of the music. I think there was two composers that worked on the soundtrack, but this was a composition uh, that he contributed. This is Grand History from La Mulana. Let's check it out.
right, kind of an obscure choice here. This is Grand History from La Mulana. It was originally released only in uh, in Japan. I think there was some sort of English, I don't know if it was an official release or a patch or, or something. 2005 release, this is uh, a game that is kind of imitating the feel of an MSX old school game. It's a platform uh, adventure game, and so definitely a retro. I think there was a version of the soundtrack that I heard that might have been on the MSX. I think someone made like some sort of more authentic version of the soundtrack. Very quirky. Uh, some of the music is uh, just weird. I would say. Right. I mean, some of it's really cool. One of my favorite reminds pieces me of, of the it, Secret of Mana composer, where it's it just does like, seem kind of heroic. Parts of it that are uh, it's like melodically, it feels like of the idiom. Mm-hmm. But then it's also like very weird chords and yeah, kind of weird. interesting musical there, There's choices. no doubt about it. It's weird. Uh, the other composer contributed some of my favorite tracks. I think there's a, there's a track called Mr. Explorer that is really, really cool. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a very eclectic uh, soundtrack. But we just thought this was a, a very different style, different take uh, on this auteur idea. And so sharing the composition duties with, with someone else. Um, but it was pretty evenly split. I actually feel like Takumi composed maybe slightly more pieces of music than than the other person did so um yeah very impressive this was an interesting look at this idea we're going to play you guys out with an interesting example um it's from the original version of prince of persia which came out for the pc and that that was basically a one-man show jordan mechner created that game and what's interesting is he worked uh, he kind of collaborated with his dad on this intro piece of music it's the intro to prince of persia his dad francis mechner who i was looking him up he's actually a pretty well-known psychologist oh, he, really? i think he's really old by uh today um but for whatever reason he he's this multi-talented dude i was reading his wikipedia and he's just like d- knows a lot of different stuff and he's yeah. also probably great at music that's and so, cool well it's interesting jordan mechner highly highly in- influential mm-hmm. game developer he created the game uh Karataka, Karateka, yep. um, which then, is probably the Prince first popular game that used rotoscoped animation. Mm-hmm. And then he did Prince of Persia. And do you and remember that he filmed his brother jumping and running? Yeah, and he studied that footage. that footage. Well, and the thing is, uh, my one of my favorite games is Another World Out of This World. Yeah. Uh, such, a, such an amazing game. Um, but that really would not exist without Jordan Mechner in yes. games like Prince of Persia because it was that rotoscoped animation well, style. And, then, and one of my favorite games of the GameCube PS2 Xbox era was Sands of Time. And it was so wonderful that Jordan came back and was heavily involved in I that know, game that as a game designer and a writer. Uh, amazing, amazing game. So, yeah, this is kind of a fun little example of Jordan working with his dad <laughs> uh, way back in the day uh, so, to work on this music. This is Sound Blaster that you guys are going to hear. Before, before we leave, uh, we just want to – I know this is premature, but but thank anybody who came out to uh, our live show at MAGFest and to anybody who came to see our panels. We're yes. kind of, right now, we're still preparing for it. And I'm excited. I hope everything goes well. I cannot wait. Um, this is going to be an amazing yeah, year. Yeah, I, I can't believe that MAGFest is already over at the time of recording because it feels like we haven't even gone there <laughs> Which yet. Which we haven't. <laughs> and without giving away next week's uh, topic, we're going to go back to Guilty Gear next week. Do you know why that would be, Will? Why would we go back to Guilty Gear again next there was week? Another, there was one you wanted to focus on or something. <laughs> nope. Should I just give it away? Greatest Hits. Greatest Hits oh. is next week. Oh, the best, right. Oh, that'll be fun. The best music we've played in 2018 well, Carl, remember the first one we ever did we recorded in our magfest hotel room yes 
Yeah, yes, with Marty, and then Marty's audio got lost, or there was some problem, like a glitch on oh my, my computer gosh. or something. Oh, we had to ADR it. Yeah, that was awful. Oh, man. So look forward to a Greatest Hits episode um, covering the best music we played this past year on the show. And then after that, we have some wonderful Patreon episodes coming up. I think that just about does it. Enjoy this intro sound blaster theme of the original Prince of Persia. My name is Carl Bergerman. And I'm Will Bergerman. Have a great week, everybody. Peace out. Peace out.